Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Another dominant performance from the Buffalo Bills, this time mostly by the defense, as they win 37-3 to over the Washington Commanders to move to two and one. Welcome into the post game show immediately after the game here. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt's actually still in Washington. You're going to hear some of the, uh, the plane announcements going on overhead. We don't want him to miss his flight here. Amazing. You're jumping on here. I'm already back from the team charter, but don't rub it is, in, man. Uh, I know, but this is a, uh, this is one of those deals where we want to make sure that we get everything out and talk about it as soon as possible. So let's do that, Matt. Uh, a completely dominant performance by the Bills defense today. We'll talk about the offense, but I think everything has to start with the defense. I don't remember a game where the defense looked that good. I think back to that game against the Dolphins a couple of years ago when they pitched the shutout. I think it was 35 yeah. nothing or something like that. But they did that against a backup quarterback because Tua got hurt early in the game. That was against Jacoby Brissett. I mean, this was against an offense that put up 55 points in the first two weeks of the season. A lot of people really like Sam Howell. I mean, one bad game is not going to make or break this guy for his entire career. Maybe this is closer to what he is than the guy who put up 55 points in two weeks. But yeah, no, I mean, the pass rush was unbelievable. They had four interceptions. They had a recovered fumble. And oh, by the way, they still don't even have Von Miller back. The rotation was just hitting on all cylinders. Leonard Floyd looks great. Greg Rousseau looks good. AJ Epinesa has a pick six, which is just ridiculous. The interior line looks good. Ed Oliver is making an impact. Like he's really earning the contract that he signed. So overall, just a dominant, dominant day. There were points in the game where the commanders were able to move the ball a bit but then the Bills made huge stops, you know, on the first and goal that they had at the five or something. They hold them out of the end zone and the Bills go 98 yards the other way, kick a field goal yeah. like that could have been a 10-7 game if they score a touchdown there. But instead, it becomes 13-0. And then early in the second half, it was pretty obvious, like the Bills defense came to play today. All right. The one guy you didn't mention, and I think just because you were mentioning everybody, it doesn't matter. But what a game for Terrell Bernard. I mean, Matt, yeah, I think this young man. I figured- I get his entire segment. I didn't even think that, you know, I should have mentioned him off the top. That's okay. But you know what? I mean, Matt, his stat line just filled up. He was sensational. Like the, the blitz, he had the sack. He's like shot out of a cannon. He's so fast. Mm -hmm. And then he makes an athletic interception. This is not to throw shade at Tremaine Edmonds. It's going to sound like that. Tremaine Edmonds was a freakazoid athlete. He made plays, but he didn't make splash plays. He didn't like, he was just a guy that, man, you put him in the middle of your defense and he could do a lot of things for you. 
I mean, Terrell Bernard made more splash plays in one game than we saw Tremaine Edmonds basically making seasons. And again, I'm not trying to be funny when I say that, but that's the kind of thing you needed from your middle linebacker for the last few years that Terrell Bernard came up with in big spots in this game. Well, we always talk about splash plays, right? Matt Milano makes the splash plays. Tremaine Edmonds struggled to do it continuously. And it's not realistic to think that every game you're going to have two sacks, you're going to have an interception, you're going to have a fumble recovery. Like, that's just not realistic. But he was all over the place today. Now that he's getting a little bit more comfortable in the system, it's a lot. It's a lot to put on a young player. It's like, okay, you've got to now go call the defense and you also have to perform that's a tough thing to get acclimated to, but the last couple weeks he looks the part. So if this is, you know, like I said, you're not going to replicate this, but if he becomes like an above average starter, what a find for the bills, right? Cause you could have him and Milano makes the defense that much more intimidating, that much more, I guess, dangerous, quite frankly. He, he, he did this without Milano having a big game. Milano had like five tackles. Matt Milano is a fantastic linebacker, but he wasn't a big impact in this game. Terrell Bernard, let me read you his stat line, okay? He had let me two sacks, an interception, a fumble recovery, two quarterback hurries, and a pass breakup. He had seven total tackles. I think, and I don't know this for sure. I have to go back and look at maybe PR tweeted this out or not. I think he's the first player in Bill's history to have two sacks, an interception, and a fumble recovery in the same game. That's the kind of game he had. And it comes as his third start at the position, his fourth start overall. And can I also say that, like, the this is also vindication so far. I mean, it's been two games. I think he's played really really well last week, too. It's kind of vindication and validation for the organization and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott for a lot of people who are slinging arrows at them for saying, how could you – a, even if you let Tremaine Edmonds walk, how could you go with this undersized middle linebacker who this was, Matt, we said, we said, this is maybe the number one concern, right? Yeah. Heading into the season. I, I always thought that Jerome Bernard would be a pretty good player. He just needed more reps. But uh-huh. what you said is right. Like even like the way that today was beyond what my expectations would be. Oh, yeah, it was beyond anybody's expectation. I mean, he's going to win AFC off defensive player of the week this week. There's no questions. His numbers are out of this world impressive. So, yeah, no, this was the biggest question by far going into the season. It is still a question because now you need to see a bigger sample size, but so far, so good. You know what I mean? You really like what you've seen, and it's because he is so athletic. He is so rangy. He gets around quickly, and he has high-end athletic ability where he can make that play, where he catches it with his fingertips. You know, it's a different play when Tremaine Edmonds is there because Terrell Bernard has to jump up and make the catch. Tremaine Edmonds could have basically just stood up and tried to make the catch because he's so much bigger than him. But no, I mean, I I almost think that there are times when he might better fit the Bills defense than Edmonds. And that's not to suggest that he's a better player than Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds is a really good player. And Tremaine Edmonds just got paid a ton of money because he's a really good player. And I bet if the Bills could have kept him, they would have tried. But it makes you wonder, maybe there were some areas that Edmonds did not like really thrive in that Bernard might be a little bit better in. There's probably areas where there are definitely areas where Edmonds was the better, more consistent player, but he also played five years as a starter. You know what I mean? Like Bernard's going to grow with the position and he's kind of protected in a little bit because he gets to play alongside an absolute freak in Matt Milano. And it feels like they really play off of each other pretty well. So yeah, so far, so good. And not even so far, so good. So far, really, really impressive for Bernard. 
And of course he plays in front of a secondary that's also playing well and played another nice game on Sunday and beyond a nice game. I mean, a couple more interceptions for the linebackers. Uh, Terrell Bernard had an interception. Well, I guess a linebacker, two interceptions for Bernard now, two interceptions for Milano. Then you had the pick six from AJ Benes. But how about Micah Hyde and Tredavious White getting in on the act? That was great to see as well for the Buffalo Bills. Everybody mm-hmm. was coming to the party for the Buffalo Bills. Nine sacks, five takeaways, four interceptions by four different players and a defensive touchdown. Yeah, Tredavious White was the one that kind of flashed to me because that was a big-time play. The way he jumped that route and he got in front of the wide receiver and made the catch, like that looked like the Trey of old. And I think that's going to kind of build his confidence even more. You know, Sean McDermott has said in the last couple weeks, we've seen flashes of the old Tredavious White. But I think for the player yourself, you need to be validated by a big play. And that can kind of build the momentum and kind of just get that confidence even higher. And I think Trey, now after this play, will have that confidence going up against a matchup where you're going to play some absolutely unbelievable wide receivers. Same thing. Micah Hyde makes an awesome play on that. He said he was mad that he slipped because he thought he could have taken it to the house. But overall, you know, to have both of those guys get involved, I mean, across the board, sure, did a couple deep shots like, Christian Benford got beat on the deep one from, I think that was Curtis Samuel who caught the deep one. It looks like he was just a little bit slow to get off the line, didn't have any contact, and then was just kind of playing catch up, and Samuel's a burner, so he got him there. But yeah, overall, I thought the secondary had a really strong day. Not even a strong day, a great day. The defense played sensational. Leonard Floyd doing exactly what he was assigned assigned to do uh, for the Buffalo Bills. He came up big as well. Kingsley Jonathan got into the act a little bit later in the game. He looked good out there. Uh, They did have Puna Ford inactive. I would say this, Matt, before we wrap up this segment on the defense. When the actors came out and Puna Ford was inactive, there was a reaction of, well, what's going on? Puna Ford, he's not that good. You sign. Look, I mean, everybody's healthy right now. It's a good thing. You have to make decisions every week. And Kingsley Jonathan, they wanted more of they wanted more of a pass rush. They wanted to move Greg Rousseau a little bit inside in this game to get some length. So somebody's got to be the odd man out. Don't I would say to fans, don't look at it as why can't why is that guy inactive? What's he doing wrong? Look at it as why is the other guy active? He wants to be doing something right, and they have a bunch a bunch of options. Yeah, it makes you wonder, though, because I was surprised when I saw that Puna Ford was not going to play in this game. But I guess I shouldn't have been because they love Ed Oliver. They love Daquan Jones and they love Jordan Phillips. And they're all difference makers. Let me stop you. Let me ask you. Let me let me say this, too, that I asked. It's really Jonathan for for Ford and Jonathan's in defensive end. I asked Mm -hmm. Kingsley Jonathan, when did you know you were going to be up? He said when Leonard Floyd was hobbling around earlier in the week. So it yeah. appears to me that, that the, the game plan was, hey, we're going to use Kingsley. We have then we have um, uh, Greg Rousseau to go inside if we can. So that's how they practiced all week. So to me, it just became a numbers thing where that's how they planned it throughout the week. And they weren't going to change once they knew Leonard Floyd was going to be completely fine. Yeah, but isn't there something to be said that Settle was active and Ford wasn't? just because I know the reasoning of why you're activating Kingsley Jonathan, but I know they're not the exact same player, but if I Tim would think Settle that was inactive. Wouldn't there be the same reaction from Bill's fans? Why is Tim Settle inactive? What's going on? You just paid this no. guy. Again. No, I don't think so. I think uh, Puna I Ford think probably right. has, I think Porna Ford has more name recognition among the fan base. And I think probably a bigger sample size over the course of his career, that that would surprise people a little bit more. Like I think I Puna Ford, I, it's not Especially going back to Washington to with Tim Settle. I think that's Tim a good Settle, point. I, that's a good point know, about Tim Settle. That's a good yeah. point about Tim Settle. Now, either way, though, my point is here, here's the bottom line. I don't think it's an indictment on Puna Ford. He was inactive. I think yeah. those just have a lot of options there and they're going to yeah. make decisions. And that's what happened Very in this game. All right, let's talk about the offense. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Josh Allen, not spectacular numbers again. Decent numbers. But the Bills get the job done on offense. They have a balanced run and pass attack. Uh, Allen throws for a touchdown. He throws an interception, one of those ones that he threw deep. It wasn't a big deal, you know, from a standpoint of trying to take too much of a chance. It was a third down. He tried to go deep uh, mm-hmm. to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis. And um, actually, was it a third down or fourth down? I don't even remember. It was fourth third down. and 20. It was third, third and 20. 20. That's what it was. Yeah. Third and 20. Thank you very much. So, you know, but not a bad day from Josh Allen. Uh, made some no. throws. But you know what? They scored 37 points, 30 on offense, with Josh Allen having a pretty pedestrian day, Matt. Sure, but you also had four. Well, I guess if you're not counting the pick six, you had three interceptions and a fumble where you started with some really favorable field position. I think this was an okay day for the offense. I don't think it was good. I don't think it was bad. I think it was just somewhere in the middle. I thought Josh Allen made some spectacular plays. I thought Josh Allen made a couple head-scratching plays. They had a couple drops mixed in there that I think would have helped them. There were some mysterious penalties. You know, the Dalton-Kincaid tripping penalty kind of halted a drive that they looked like they had Mm -hmm. some momentum on. Gabe Davis had one that was a little low. We probably should have caught it though. That halted another drive. It felt like early on they were playing from some really unfavorable down and distance. There was like three possessions in a row yep. where they were calling draw plays on second and 10 or second and 11 on every play. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? So Josh bailed them out of some of those early. I mean, he had the incredible play where he rolls to his right and hits digs like 30 yards down the field early on on like a third and 10 or a third and nine first possession of the game. And you shouldn't need your quarterback to do the spectacular routinely, but that's why Josh Allen is so good because he can occasionally do the spectacular. I think that offensively they settled down a little bit after, you know, those first couple drives. And I think they found the rhythm and penalties hurt them. So I I don't know if I would say it's a step in the right direction for the offense, but I also don't think it's a step backwards. I think it's just kind of, okay, you, you had an okay game. They, they they made some money plays when they needed to. They were um, the good news is they were nine for fifteen on third down, which is really good, and they were perfect two for two on goal to goal. But here is the concerning part. Once again, you just mentioned it. That's right. You're 100 percent right. They were in bad down and distance. Here's why. I did the numbers on this on the play home. Matt, not counting the final drive where they had kneel downs, the Bills had get this 17 second and eight or longer's. 17 times they were in second and eight or longer. And when you do that, you make your quarter. That's amazing for all the wrong reasons. And if you're going to say that you want Josh Allen to make smarter decisions and you want him to protect the football, you can't put him in those positions. 
as an offense. You need right. to put them in favorable positions. So it's kind of like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be mad if Josh Allen is making these risks and taking shots down the field. He's going to have to because he's facing third and longs way more than he should be. And it's just head scratching. Some of the plays, you know, you watch the, this is not to take away anything from the Dolphins, right? Like 70 points is ridiculous. But the first drive of the game, Tyreek Hill has a huge touchdown and he's wide open with nobody 25 yards from him. And it's like, how does that guy get so open? I know it's his speed. I know it's because he is unlike any player in the NFL. I can't remember a time today when there was just a Bills receiver who was just wide open down the field or even had five or six yards of separation. I'm sure there's a couple plays where it happened, but it feels like they're working so hard for every yard that they get. And Josh has to still make these crazy plays. Nothing seems super easy for them. Now the good news is you have Josh Allen, so he can make those plays, but eventually there's going to be a day when he doesn't. And that's, what's a little bit concerning. He had that was a great throw to Gabe Davis. That was a great first down call. They, they took a shot, Gabe Davis touchdown. He had another great throw to Davis that Davis didn't get his foot down uh, in the end zone. Could have been another touchdown. Here's what I liked about Josh's game. He was smart running the ball. He was smart when he took off when he decided to three three carries, forty six yards, got down twice and in the end zone once. That's a perfect day running the ball for Josh Allen. That's the hat trick. You have three carries, mm-hmm. one goes into the end zone, and two you slide so you don't get hit. And he had forty six yards rushing. That was a nice day for him running the ball. You know what? Another observation I have about the offenses right now, and what? I liked that they're using more of the weapons, but I feel like they're forcing it a little bit. They're forcing plays to Deontay Hardy that don't need to be forced. You know, they're trying these jet sweeps and they're trying these screen passes that are just not working. So it's almost like they're just trying to keep doing it to make eventually one of them happen. But, you know, you know what your bread and butter is. Your bread and butter is Stefan Diggs. Your bread and butter yep. is Gabe Davis down the field. And sure, I'm all for like diversifying your offense and trying to do these different things. But you know it's not working. You know the draw plays on second and 10 are not working to James Cook, so don't do them. You know the screen passes are not working to Deontay Hardy. You know that you know these certain things that you're doing just aren't hitting. And it it's weird because you know when they did the first two possessions of the draw plays on second and long, on the third one, I was sitting next to Mike Catalana and John Scott, and I look over and I go, this is the play action where they take a deep shot. I was like, those were set up plays, and they're going mm-hmm. to take a shot here. Nope. They turned around and handed it off again. And I'm like, am I taking crazy pills here? I just don't get it. No, no, no. And and, and you're right. I didn't love those calls either. But after a while, you, you, you some, maybe something hits, right? You try it. Maybe you go to the well a little too often. I mean, James Cook wound up with another 98 yards, right? 90, I think it was 98 was what he had totally. Another six yards to carry. I also, I hated, hated the fourth down call. Fourth and Awful. one, empty. Awful. Just go forward. Just hand it off. Or, uh, a slant. I, I hated that call. But, listen, they still scored 30 points on offense. And mm-hmm. I think, Matt, maybe the one biggest thing that we haven't even touched on yet, holy cow, did the offensive line play well to give Josh Allen protection yeah. against that defensive front? I mean, mm-hmm. I zero sacks given up, one, one official quarterback pressure the entire mm-hmm. game. And you're facing Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Deron Payne, and Jonathan Allen. Between the four of them, eight mm-hmm. total tackles, no sacks, one quarterback pressure. So you stack that game, which was the best game they've played so far this season, with the game last week where they really handled Max Crosby well, and you go, yeah. okay. 
maybe they got something here. Maybe Spencer Brown is better mm-hmm. than we were giving him credit for. And maybe the injury did linger a lot longer than we thought. Maybe Osiris Torrance is a guy, right? Like we, I haven't noticed Osiris Torrance a ton the first couple of weeks, mean. just watching the games, which is a really good sign for a rookie yeah. offensive lineman. Connor McGovern comes in. It doesn't feel like that side is getting taken advantage of. Deion Dawkins had a season last year where he's probably capable of more. And so far, it looks like he's given them more. So, yeah, that, that's a really good sign for the Bills. And to your point, like James Cook almost has 100 yards, 34 of it come in garbage time at the end of the game. So I, I don't think that James Cook was overly effective in this game, but whatever, like the, the, like you said, we're nitpicking. They scored 37 points, so it's hard to like find things that were really, really wrong with this game. But yeah, the line has been awesome. Diggs is awesome, but still not a ton of Kincaid, which surprised me. I thought this would be a big Kincaid game. Not a ton of knocks. I don't know. I don't know if much of that is to do with the injury and you know just them kind of easing him back into it a little bit. But well, I don't yeah, think but that's he was he had a nice first down gain early in the game, like on the the when they rolled out. So I don't, I don't think an injury necessarily was playing a role in that. I think they just, for some reason, it just no. didn't work that way. They tried Dalton Kincaid no. in the first play of the game. He actually lost a couple of yards on that first yeah. play. One of those first downs, by the way, I also want to throw in, you know, we always talk about like Ken Dorsey and play calling, give Ken Dorsey credit for the offensive line and what they're doing too. That's scheme. You got to have a mm-hmm. scheme to go against those guys. That's Ken Dorsey mm-hmm. and that's Aaron Cromer deserve just as much credit as the guys who are blocking because they're coming up with a scheme to be able to help help them do that to put them in good position. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a it's been two really good game plans two weeks in a row. One against Max Crosby, one against you know the front four that they had to face against the um, Washington Commanders. All right, let's um, take a look around the league, especially ahead to what the Miami Dolphins did because holy cow. Matt, I've never seen anything like it. 70 points scored by the Miami Dolphins. Um, That's what, nuts. 700 yards, was it? I have to go back and look now. I'm going to look at this. They, they set an NFL record. Uh, some I, I had heard this, and I haven't looked, so I'm going to look right now. Total yards for the Miami Dolphins. Is you ready for this number? Uh, 726. <sighs> They're good. They're really good, They're good, and it makes it, it makes you wonder. I know what the line is, at least early on. I'm sure that it's going to get moved a ton. But what, what would now? you say, Bills two and uh, a half? I was gonna say I was gonna say Bills two. Okay, okay. I would think the Bills yeah. still would be favored. They are playing at home, but that's basically saying that on a neutral field, Miami would probably be favored by half point. But yeah, these are even teams. This is a Miami Dolphins offense that is setting records, scoring at an unbelievable clip against the Bills defense that has allowed 13 points over the last two weeks. And even then 16 points the first, so 29 points over three weeks. I mean, this is mm-hmm. going to be interesting next week. Well, and also Miami put up 70 points today and they did it without Jalen Waddle who missed the game because Jaylen he was Waddell. in concussion protocol. So think about that. They did it without yeah. a really, really, really great wide receiver. You know, Tyree kill, of course, is their bread and butter, but Jalen Waddle is no slouch there. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And also, like, how ridiculous do the Broncos look right now? Sean oh, Payton geez. coming out before the season and is like, that's the worst coaching job ever from Nate Hackett or Nathaniel yeah. Hackett or whatever. And now they're 0-3 and they just had a 70-burger hung on them. That's 70. Ridicu- that's insane. So, you know, two is in the MVP conversation now, and I know some Bills fans will hate that, but it's very – he's the front runner at this point. He's, he deserves to be. He's playing unbelievable football. The biggest question with Tua going into the season was not that if he's a good player, it's is he going to stay healthy. 
it's only three weeks. Right. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with any player. I will say, literally a week ago, they scored 24 points against That's the right. Patriots. So 70 is going to make the conversation ridiculous this week. There are going to be people saying, is this the best offense ever? No, let's give it time. But they're very, very good, and they're clearly very explosive. And that's, you know, for the Bills, a big problem. The division is very, very tough because of the Miami Dolphins now. It'll be a really interesting week leading up to that. There were some other really interesting games. The Baltimore Ravens had seven starters out. They mm-hmm. stay, they 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 hung tough, but they lost. The Indianapolis Colts, a big upset. The Colts go to Baltimore and the Colts went two to one. Uh, I'm sorry. They moved to two and one and the Ravens dropped mm-hmm. to two and one in overtime, 22, 19. And then the Patriots, they take care of business at the jets, 15 to 10. They go to one and Ugh. two on the air. Another, I another, didn't see, I didn't even see the score for that game. 15 oh, 15 to 10. 10. Yeah. 15 Ew. to 10 classic Patriots jets right now. And then uh, oh. another big upset. And you could touch on whichever one of these games I just brought up, but Texans go to Jacksonville 37, 17. What is wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars offense? I don't know. It's crazy because I remember talking in the summer about the London game and circling that game is like a, and it still could be right. They could wake up at any point, but I did not like that matchup for the bills. I thought the Jags could potentially be a contender for the one seed in the AFC because of the division Mm -hmm. that they play in. And now they just do not look like they've got it. I mean, they're one and two last week. Their offense did nothing against the chiefs. I mean, their only win of the season is, do you know who they beat? It's the Colts. So they beat the Colts in Anthony Richardson's first NFL game. So it's like, do you really deserve any credit for that? And then you lose two games in a row. Who knows? They could bounce back. I mean, they were only one game behind the Bills, right? So, like, we can't dunk on them too much. But I was expecting way more from them. And also, it's not a direct, you know, impact on the Bills. But how about the Cowboys? Losing to the Cowboys. It's a direct impact on me. They were in one, I'm in a couple of loser pools, survivor pools. And in one particular pool, I took the Cardinals to be my loser for the week. So I'm out because they won. Wow. Well, I actually forgot to submit my loser pool pick. So I have to pick a team on Monday Night Football. (laughs) So I have to pick between, what is it this week? I have to pick between the Bucks. Eagles, Bengals, and Rams. So I think I'm going to have the a box. Are you in? Are you in? The, now we do one with a media one. With Paul Hamilton. Are you in that one? That's the, that's that the, the one. one. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, in, I always in that one, something. You legit one, pick I a took, loser. Right. In that one, I took the Giants, so I'm good. But in another okay. one, I'm in. I took the Cardinals because I didn't submit it in time for the Giants. But either way, yes, you're right. So that's another one. But Matt, doesn't this go to say show what we always talk about the first three four weeks? You never know, right? Like the Giants mm-hmm. were. Oh my God, they're unbelievable. And not the Giants, the Cowboys, they're unbelievable. They're Super Bowl favorites. Look at that defense. They lose to Arizona. Now, I know Trayvon Diggs is out, and that's a shame for him, but they lost Mm -hmm. at Arizona, a team that people think are tanking. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how this league works. There's so many up and downs. You never know. Like you said, I love how you said it. Or actually, you know who I think said it was Mike Catalana from 13 Wham in Rochester. He told me that early in the season, the good teams don't know they're good yet, and the bad teams definitely don't know they're bad yet. And I think that that's really true when it talks about the first couple weeks of the season. Also, besides that, did you see the ending of the – Vikings Chargers game? I did not. I know the Chargers won 28 24. Okay. So, how crazy is this? The Chargers are up four, 28 24, with a minute and a half left on their own 24 yard line, and they go for it on fourth and one and do not get it. 
Okay. So oh, they turn wow. the ball, they turn the ball over to the Vikings, who now need to score a touchdown to win at their own like 23, 24 yard line. The Vikings go down into I think the 10, first and goal, they second get it. and goal. I have it six at the six. They got to the six. They got to the six, and the ball was tipped twice and intercepted. So the oh, Chargers defense gosh. bailed Staley out of legitimately. I, I don't know if I would say fireable offense, wow. but one that would have been criticized. So, I mean, I get it. You get a yard, you win the game, but doing it on your own 24 yard line and turning it over like that's insane. Did you see Herbert's numbers? No, wow. were they good? 40 for 47 for 405 yards and three touchdowns. And they st- and, and wait, they still wait, almost and lost. Keenan Allen threw a touch, uh, had one pass for 49 yards and a touchdown. And he had 20 targets, 18 catches, wow. and 215 yards. I'm glad he's on one of my fantasy teams. I can't. How did they almost lose? <laughs> how, Listen, how is that even possible? It's the it's the Chargers. Those kinds of things happen. One final game before we uh, wrap up, and then we can take a question or two real quick. Yeah. Chiefs, Chiefs just decimated the Bears. The Bears are awful. I don't know what to think about it. That, that means the, oh, the Chiefs are back because the Bears are so bad. Yeah, I, I, it's a little bit of both. I think the Chiefs are probably back. I think Travis Kelsey was playing with a little more juice yeah. than maybe normal today, <laughs> with uh, his girl up in the pre- or up in the suite. Yeah, she was there, mom. right? Taylor yeah, Swift she was there. there. Yeah. yeah. So wow. it's funny. My wife texted me a screenshot and was like, "Is this photoshopped?" Like she didn't think it was real because it was Taylor Swift at the Amazing. game, and it was. I was like, "No, it's not photoshopped. It's real." So yeah, I think that was a combination of the Chiefs getting their groove back a little bit and the Bears just being an absolute tiger fire. Makes you wonder what do you think Tremaine Edmonds is thinking right now? You know, he probably looks at all the scores after the games. He sees what the Bills do, and he's probably just like, "Man, maybe I should have taken a couple million less and stuck around." Maybe. <laughs> I thought about that. I'm like, he's also probably thinking, "I'm making 18 mil a year. I'm pretty good." And you know what? He's going to be playing for a while. Maybe they'll, you know, be better. And it's a something that they're trying to build right there. But the Bears do not look good. Justin Fields looks like he is definitely not it as far as a franchise quarterback and what they drafted mm. him to be. And the whole week they had with the coaching and him calling him out and those kinds of things. But it's not looking good right now for Justin Fields. All right. Um couple questions. Let's, yeah, let's do that real quick. You got a couple things. You threw it out there. Yeah, this one is from Phil. Can the Bills offense be described as explosive anymore? And I think that it still can, yeah. but I think it's because of Josh Allen, not because of like consistent production that we have seen so far. I just think that as long as you have Josh Allen, you have the potential of going out and scoring 40 points on any given week. And not for anything, they've played tough defenses. They've played the Jets. The Raiders aren't a tough defense. I shouldn't have said that. The Jets are a tough defense, and the Commanders have the potential. Well, they have a really great defensive line. I thought they would be a tougher defense. So, you know, it's not like they've played against a team that they should go out and just destroy well and the Raiders was the one team that they did and they scored 38 points so I I think they can still be called explosive Matt the Bills still had four plays of 30 yards or more in this game I think it goes unnoticed they still can get down the field pretty quickly if they need to they can be yes I still think they're an explosive offense they just aren't playing that style right now I think it's more intentional than anything else thanks Phil okay this one's from Lance and it's just kind of like not a question, but an observation. And he just said, really interested in knowing how good Terrell Bernard can be. What an incredible start to the season. And I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't know what the floor is. I can't even really think of a player that I'd compare him to just because he's so different than what we've seen, at least here in Buffalo the last few years. 
it's way too it's way too high a price. Doesn't he remind you a little bit of Matt Milano? It, it's yeah, it's like the low hanging fruit that I don't want to take because he does. They're, they're the but, same kind of style, right? They're just very instinctive. Very and they get there in a hurry. Very rangy, quick. Look yep. like they're shot just out of a athletic. cannon. Smaller guys for the position. Yeah. Athletes that, to me that that's what that is. And look, I, I still think he can struggle against bigger offensive linemen who get into him. But the difference is he doesn't let them see Tremaine Edmonds. That could happen sometimes, even though he's bigger guys could get under his pads and stuff And Tremaine, He didn't have the instincts to get around that sometimes, but, mm-hmm. but uh, Bernard, he seems like he doesn't let that happen because he's too instinctual to let that happen. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the, when Dalton Kincaid gets drafted and everybody compares him to Travis Kelsey, it's like, whoa, let's pump the brakes. And I know you're not doing that, to, but Matt Milano is the first player that certainly comes to mind because you're looking at him right next to the two of them. And it's like, wow, they do a lot of the same things. We'll see if he can kind of stack it with more good games. A lot of the other questions that we've already kind of answered. Um, and then it's this all one good. Is, you, what, what time does your flight land? My flight lands, I think, at 11.15, 11.30, sometime well, in that we'll, range. We'll get you out of here. Do you have one more you want to get to? Yeah, this is a fun one to end on. What's your airport beer or adult beverage of choice if you were going on a trip somewhere? What would you get to drink? I, people know I'm not much of a beer drinker. Uh, it depends. You what like time wine. Day it is. Oh, no, no. I would say a Bloody Mary. A Bloody Mary? Ooh, I don't yep, like Bloody, Bloody Marys. What's yep. that wine you like? What's that one kind of Malbec. wine you like? Malbec. Yeah, I've never had that. Oh, it's good. It's good wine, but I'm, I like a Bloody Mary. And if I travel early in the morning, I'm getting a Bloody Mary when I get somewhere. And I go if somewhere. I travel early in the morning, I'm getting a coffee with all of the caffeine yeah. in the world. And I feel well, like. But, but they said alcohol. I would also get coffee. But if you're doing For sure. alcohol. What time did you guys get? What time did you get home tonight? Like this is the, the biggest, the biggest advantage of traveling on the team charter. What time are you back at your home? Well, hmm. That's not a fair question. I had to go pick up my dog. So I'll say this. We landed. I went to pick up my mo- my dog at my mom's house, which is in Amherst. Uh-huh. And I got there right at 8 p.m. Wow. So legitimately home for the start of Sunday Night Football. Yes. The Sunday Night Football game started when I was probably about a minute or two from pulling onto my street. I have been doing the podcast here from some like kind of general area at Ronald Reagan airport. And I'm watching all of these people. You don't see them on the screen, but in my peripheral, just kind of head down towards the gate area. And everybody is in a bill's hoodie, a bill's shirt, a bill's Jersey. I would imagine everybody on this flight going back to Buffalo was at the game today. You know, you were on the sideline. I was in the press box and move your camera. We're on the podcast. What's going on? It's bad. You know what I mean? There was an insane amount of Bills fans who made the trip. I remember when the Bills, when when AJ Epinesa caught the interception and returned it for a touchdown, I think that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin for the Commanders fans, and they all left. But the stadium was still full because there were so many. I took a couple pictures because I couldn't believe it. I was like, it almost feels like I'm seeing things, but the stadium is still. I said at the beginning of the game, I was like, I don't think it's 50-50 but it's got to be close. And then after all the commanders fans left, it might've been 50, 50. Oh, listen, if you do yourselves a favor, go to my Twitter at Sal sports, whenever the bills went on the road and the fans are there, I always take a video of the crowd as I'm walking across down the sideline. Go check it out, Matt. It's pretty incredible. Bill's mafia. 
out in full force. Matt's going to have all the coverage over on WKBW-TV Channel 7. I'll have it at WGR Sports Radio 550, the Extra Point Show on Monday, the Reaction Show. Matt, I, I'm whole, I, I was thinking about this real quick to get you out of here. It's going to be hard not to talk about the Dolphins earlier than we should talk about the Dolphins this week. I want to enjoy this. I want to talk about it with the fans mm-hmm. on my Monday Reaction Show, but I know it's coming. We're going to be turning our attention to the Dolphins very, very quickly. And as of right now, 74 degrees and sunny in Buffalo Sunday in Orchard Park. I loved Joe DiBiase's tweet on this. He said the Bills just won 37-3, to and I somehow feel worse about their chances at the AFC East, which is just so indicative of the 70 points that they put up. But, yeah, absolutely. I think that the page turns a little bit quicker because they knew it. You know, they come up to the podium. Yep. Sean McDermott comes up to the podium, and he was like, He's, yeah, we're going to work it out for us. They, he I, said it. I just saw that Miami scored 70 points, so we got to get back to work. And it's like, okay, like, I'm sure his oh, – I got one other thing that I want to talk about very quickly. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm yes. dragging on. But if I miss my flight, I miss my flight. This is not oh, indicative. This is not indicative of Leslie Frazier. I do not want this to be a shot at Leslie Frazier. But is Sean just unbelievable at calling a defense? Because why does it feel like they are so much more dynamic now than they were with Leslie? I mean, they have not looked this good since 2019. Sean McDermott has an incredible defensive mind. They're healthy. That helps. That's true. Terrell Bernard, for all the praise we've given him, the other thing he does, he allows Sean McDermott to have many more options at his disposal. That's a big Mm -hmm. deal, Matt. Yeah, and they're doing it without Von Miller, who might be back sooner rather than later. So when you think about how good the pass rush has looked now, you get nine nine sacks without Von Miller, it's probably 10 or 11 if you got that guy on the field. Matt, you have a very safe flight home, and we will talk to everybody later in the week as we get ready for Miami Week. It is a thing. Miami Week. Since I was a kid, it's called Miami Week. We had to talk about that later in the week. Have a safe, safe flight home, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, everyone. All right. For Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. It's always game day in Buffalo. Download the audio, iTunes, Spotify, WGR, Odyssey app, and, of course, on YouTube, at Sal Sports on YouTube. <laughs>